off each other. Honestly, Parasites I can't wait till we do a GI map on Row. We should do a case study podcast on Row's GI map, and it's probably going to come back freaking perfect or something. I, I was gonna say, I can't wait. I'm like, <laughs> I eat fruits once a week, maybe a vegetable here and there. And, it's and gonna then be he's like, going to tell everyone to consume 17 raw <laughs> eggs a day. Yeah, what's wrong with that? You know, like, it's, it, you know, it is, it is so funny. It's so interesting that, like, you know, like, I'm. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm sure I could, like, there's a lot of things I could do better, right, sleep-wise and whatever, but some people are just like, oh, man, I just gotta, I just gotta get this, and this is, and I'm just like, oh, fuck it, I'm just gonna eat whatever, and they're like, well, I'm breaking out because of, like, this, and I had this chocolate piece, and they're like, my skin is great, baby, like, oh I can do whatever God. the fuck I want. Rose, like, I'm that happy. freaking reel where it's like, I can, like, survive under... Yeah, insane yeah. conditions and it's like I'm, a, I'm allergic to water <laughs> i'm allergic <laughs> to tap water yeah. oh my god Welcome back to the Health Unfiltered Podcast. My name is Nicole, and I am with my two wonderful co-hosts, Ro and Brooke. What is up, everybody? What's up? Hey. Yeah. Ro's so Brooke's much better like, at saying hello than <laughs> you know, we are. I was coming in like, hey, and you guys are like, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> what y'all been up to? I feel like it's been a minute since we've podcasted. Yeah, Brooks over here giving me all these life updates I had no idea about. I was like, oh, why are you so stretched? He's like, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Buckle like, up. <laughs> okay. How much I time you my got? my beer yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. crack that puppy open. It mm. snowed here yesterday. It was kind of wild. Ew. Uh, no. Anyway, today's the 24th. So, yeah, the, I, I woke up and Casey was like, oh, your school's on a delay. And I was like, what, the, what do you mean? So, it snowed from like, I guess, 3 to 5 a.m. I have no idea. And there was... It was good snow, but then it, you know, typical Albuquerque fucking melted in four hours. And I was like, this sucks, but yeah, it's pretty much my whole life. I had spring break last week. I just played video games. It was fucking awesome. My, um, my parents would probably be upset hearing that, but whatever. I mean, sometimes you just got to numb out. Oh, I'm numb, baby. (laughs) (laughs) What video games do you even play? Like, would I even recognize the names? What do you play? Probably not. I mean, I play a lot of Rocket League. That's what I play competitively. I'm a, I'm a champ in it. Um, <laughs> oh I'm really trying to become a grand champ. Uh, and then Elden Ring just came out. is is huge game release like three weeks ago. Um, and that's kind of what everyone's been playing at this point. It's super difficult. It's really fun. And <clears throat> I don't know why. I mean, if Casey ever listens to me play, I'm just like, fuck! Because it's just one of those games that like is supposed to tilt you and... She watched me the other day and she's like, that doesn't even seem like you're having fun. And I was like, I'm having so much fun being I'm just trying to fucking beat this boss. <laughs> so uh, I like I like pain like that in all facets of my life. Uh, oh, no. But that's pretty much what I play. That and, I guess, Apex. But... So to answer your question, no, you boomer. I'm sure you don't recognize any of those games. Not at all. Maybe if you you're said like Fortnite. Sonic and... <laughs> I know yeah. that that's like hip with what the kids. What is this? Yeah, uh, it's like in 2018. It's 2022 now. Come on, man. <laughs> Really, row. You're like, are kids still saying YOLO? Like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> On Twitter, they are, at least my yeah, friends. Yeah, they still hashtag it. Uh, yeah, so my life has been pro- relatively chill as of late. What about you guys? I feel like one, <laughs> this, just like the first four months of the year for the past few years have felt like they have just flown by. Oh my God. 
It's, I don't know what it is about this season, but it's like goes way too fast and I just want to sleep through all of it, but there's so much to do and how are we supposed to be our best selves in this world right now? How can I, don't know. I live, laugh, love in these conditions? Yeah. I can't. <laughs> For real. I feel yeah. like I paused my life when I went to Costa Rica and it was great. <clears throat> and then I came back and it was like, it's also the time of year where like everything is due. I have to renew all my licensures. I have to do all this business stuff. I have taxes to get my car due, renewed. I got to do taxes. And I was like, yeah. this is way too much fucking adulting right now. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I don't I'm like it. i to go back to Costa Rica now. <laughs> I'm going back to the jungle. Yeah. Fuck this. <laughs> More coconuts, please. Jeez. Oh my god. Well, you know, we're gonna make it and it's gonna be okay. <laughs> what are you doing? I, I really thought you were gonna bottle. bite that. <laughs> I I saw somebody do it on Survivor and I'm I wanna try it, but my teeth are so you know I paid a lot mm. of good money for these teeth. I was so. gonna say, please don't. Uh-huh. Do uh huh. Yeah. Oops. So is anyone drinking their their sorrows away or Ro, I guess you don't really okay. have any sorrows right First now. First of all, yeah. My I got no sorrows. We're chilling. <laughs> I'm in a I'm in a good place mentally. It's great. Ro hasn't been he hasn't been thrown through the freaking wash by the real world yet. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, I'm my, just kidding. My, I mean, like you have by like your PhD, but well, let's not forget like... that the past six months were a hellhole that I don't. True. I wouldn't. It was like wish on my worst enemies. <laughs> I feel like every single time we're just complete opposites oh, like yeah, it, sure. it's either Roe is in the tunnel or like me and brooke are in the dark place and we're never all in the light together the trick is you always <laughs> just live in the dark place and then it's good i'm so comfortable here you know uh, <laughs> and, then you, and then you wake up seven days later and you're still playing video games <laughs> yeah i'm like ooh, i should not have done that i know my my <laughs> i shouldn't say this as a record but i just didn't feel like teaching the other day and i was like Fuck you guys can have the day off. I don't care. And it's just because I played video games until like 1 a.m. And I was like, I'm so tired. Oh my God. I don't feel like doing anything. But that's what you pay tuition for. So uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. school it's, system. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> it's uh, 2 p.m. on a Thursday. So it's early enough for me. I'm drinking something else from Yazoo, uh, Nicole. Nice. Um, this is their Sly Rye Porter. So it's pretty dark. Um, let's see. Oh, it's actually, um, yeah, it's good. It's like kind of chocolatey, as all porters are, but I give it a solid mm, seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. It's good. For sure. Definitely not a waste. No, yeah. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> worth it. What about you guys? What kind of mocktail, adrenal cocktail, mineral <laughs> yeah. bullshit are you drinking? How'd you know? <laughs> yeah. How did I, I know? <laughs> uh, I made a little afternoon pick me up adrenal mocktail because I'm going to lift oh, after this. Called it. Called it. Yeah. So I did. I'm doing um, a beautiful, real fresh squeezed OJ with coconut water and then I do jigsaw adrenal mocktail, which is whole food vitamin c source from cherries and then it's got potassium it's got sodium i've got some magnesium and other minerals i put in here so i'm about to get jacked up energized off some minerals wow that's the <laughs> shittiest thing i've ever heard in my life <laughs> like well, so many minerals and my pump is gonna be so good <laughs> God. well i worked out before this so i just i made my adrenal cocktail afterwards because i feel like it always helps me with the hydration and the balance of things um but sometimes i have to take it before because it's a great little quick carbohydrate source too with the oj but yeah i did pretty much the same thing 
that Brooke did. Um, <laughs> but now I'm drinking water. So mm. we're just lame at 3 p.m. God, on a Thursday. God. I'm carrying this show <laughs> and my liver is paying for it. I just <laughs> the one drink I have a week, I'm just like, oh. <laughs> Do you want me to dive deeper into depression? Yes. <laughs> Once For the I, sake of the show. Well, one of the other things that's happening is I'm moving my office. I'm leaving this office space, and I don't so know what I'm going to do yet, but I'm probably going to end up, since there will be a bigger home, which is exciting, um, setting up a podcast studio there, and then I can make more elaborate like mocktails, and I will have a short commute up the stairs instead of driving <laughs> back and forth to an office. Right. You know what I mean? Who's <laughs> mm-hmm. just in the background here, like just a blender? And you're like, yeah, these are actual cocktails now. Like, at this point, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, oh, also, gosh. I think <laughs> as someone who is a gym bro and exercise physiologist, you guys are thinking too much about your pre-workout drinks, Krispies. 600 milligrams of caffeine, six grams of beta alanine, and you guys will be through the roof. The oh, best workouts yeah. you'll ever have. You might crash terribly after, but yeah, you got to do it. <laughs> so I have a little Two teaser to the dome. that I was going to surprise. I was going to surprise you with it, Ro, but I'm going to go ahead and tease it. So pretty soon, West Nutrition Co. is doing something where you will have an opportunity to decide what team you're on, Team Krispies or Team Applesauce. Uh, and that's all I'll say. Wow. Okay. So you wait, you wait, and then we'll just uh, it. we're gonna take a vote that way, and everyone can rep their team. Uh, wow. <laughs> wow. I'm gonna Bro, be really upset. He cannot wait like, for that. Oh, He's gonna just be like, I'm here. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> fucking losers. You pick apples. It's actually so cool. We've been wor- we've been working on uh, the merch drop that's gonna be happening for a bit behind the scenes, and the artwork and stuff is amazing. So I'm excited. Hell yeah. Awesome. I love it. I'm still right. Team Krispies forever. (laughs) He's going to be the only one that buys the shirt. (laughs) Everyone else is going to be Team Applesauce. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. For sure. All right. Well, before we get into the topic this week, we do have a question of the week. And our question is, I just started working out about two to three times a week. What would be the most important thing to change or increase in my nutrition? That's a good question. The most important thing would definitely be to start bookending workouts with fuel because we always want to support the activity we're doing. So it's just simply adding bookending, so something before, something after. That would be my go-to recommendation to support that increased activity. And really to shorten it and just summarize it in the simplest of form, bookending in the front end or what people call pre-workout don't take a pre-workout supplement. Not necessary. Don't need it. Super necessary. But- nope. Reach for a <laughs> carbohydrate source. So whether that's OJ, like Nicole and I were talking about, applesauce, yes, even Rice Krispies are a simple carb choice. All those things will give you fuel before training. I like to call them rocket fuel, and you will notice a difference in your energy and your performance and your ability to keep going longer, which is great. Um and then bookend it on the tail end with a carb protein choice. So don't listen to people on the internet, bro sciencers that say just get your protein gains. The secret is the combo needs to be there. Both are needed in that muscle repair and recovery process um, and making sure we restore fuel stores and working towards recovery for your next workout. So that's my crash course and what to do if you're new to training. I think Easy. that was a great crash course. Yeah. It's simple, right? Like yeah. people need I more mean, simplicity instead of 
Yeah. And you could <laughs> overthink this shit. Like you can overthink yeah. this to 10 ways to Tuesday. And some people where it's their job, like a professional athlete, it can be necessary. But mm-hmm. most of us, nah, just nourish yourself and let's keep it simple. Yeah. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Well, I'm super excited about this podcast topic because it's something we haven't talked about yet, which re- is really shocking. But we are going to be talking about what I love to call gut stuff um, <laughs> or gut health. And first, oh, we will man. tackle the basics, like what is gut health and why does it matter? Then we are going to dive into things you can actually start doing to take action on improving your gut health. And this is something that Brooke has been doing in her practice for a good little bit. And I've learned a lot from her already. And so I'm excited to learn one, to learn more and to share this knowledge with the rest of the world, because it's something that we didn't grow up talking about. And I think it's super important to health and wellness as a whole. Yes. Team gut health. (laughs) Team, Team gut, gut stuff. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like, is it bad? All I think about is like hashtag the butt stuff, and then it's yes, really that's, gut that's stuff. That's the whole that's, point. That's the whole yeah. point. <laughs> okay, Come good. I'm just boomer. glad I'm not the only one with a dirty mind here. Like, We're gonna uh, get some gut plugs. <laughs> I'm done. Sorry, mom and dad. I'm so sorry. Rose shaking his head like we've gone too far. <laughs> yeah. I love how uh, Ro gonna... is the most unfiltered person, but the second we oh. say something, he's like, oh my God, I'm a Christian. Uh, Stop no, it. No, no. I'm just like, my parents, they're going to hear this. <laughs> I, I can't help it that you have super precious supportive parents that listen yeah, to the podcast. Right, yeah. I was going to say, like, that's so nice. Not my partner, not my, my close friends, not my parents. Nobody's listened to this. And so exactly. I'm going to just fuck around all I want. <laughs> this is the one place I can nice. truly say and do whatever I want without someone Damn. I know hearing it, pretty much. Uh, that's, We're probably going to get messages after this episode so airs. But yeah, like, they're, like, they're like, hey, I've been listening since day one. You're like, oh, it's strange. <laughs> oh, oops. <laughs> Whoopsie. Yeah. All right, Brooke. First question. What is gut health and what does that term actually mean? So when we're talking about gut health, really, I'm talking about how our whole digestive tract is working, which truly starts from our brain. It's this whole ecosystem that's living inside of us. So then if we kind of really talk about like gut health, I'm thinking literally what's in your gut, the bugs living in your gut. There's a huge ecosystem that I think um, we'll talk about here later, but there's a lot going on. And a lot is involved in this process of digestion, which is really fascinating. It starts from your brain and your cranial nerves that are responsible for signaling certain things like saliva production, enzyme production, bile, you know, production, HCL, all these things. So we actually have this really cool big network even beyond just gut health of how are we treating our digestive system. And it goes all the way from our brain and our mouth all the way down through the rectum. And everything plays a role and it's all connected and super fascinating. That is wild. We're just bags of meat with things inside of us. That's all we are. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, really, right? Yeah, that's I mean, true. <clears throat> so, Brooke, when, you, when someone kind of starts reading up on the gut, they're going to start to see all these different words that are associated with the gut. And one of those is gut microbiota. Can you explain what that is? 
Yeah. I like to call it the gut microbiome a lot. I just think it sounds better. Um, but essentially, <laughs> we're what we're talking about is the two to seven pounds of microbes that live in your gut. And so it's not just bacteria. There's actually bacteria, fungi, viruses, archaea, parasites, and they're all concentrated within the large intestine. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about gut microbiota of like what actually is in there. And so what's interesting is there's a lot of new research coming out connecting human health and disease to what's actually going on in our gut microbiome, especially now with our gut-brain connection. And we know there's a lot of communication that goes back and forth between the gut and other areas of the body. It quite literally is its own world, its own ecosystem. I constantly think of like Miss Frizzle on the Magic School Bus. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. She's down there and like this whole She's world. up in her guts and butts yeah. for sure. Oh, thank God. <laughs> but when it's healthy and diverse and this population of two to seven pounds of stuff, um, then we have better health. We have reduced risk of disease. So we want a lot of diversity there. And it's also important to note that this whole ecosystem living inside your large intestine that makes up the microbiota, the second you're born actually determines the the foundation of what's being built in your gut. So were you a C-section or were you a vaginal birth? Were you breastfed? Mm-hmm. Were you bottle fed? Yeah. All those things start to shape and it's just so interesting. A lot of us actually pick up certain gut bugs in childhood and carry them through adulthood. So like one of the ones that we constantly see is H. pylori. Really common. 60% of the adult population has it, and we get it from contaminated food, water, sharing cups, saliva. When you swap saliva, people, this is this is turning into a sex ed talk real quick, you are swapping gut bugs. So oh, yeah. You've been them gut bugs, baby. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how we pass these things around, and H. pylori is one of them. So, you know, you pick these things up along the way. And different things will affect it. So things that affect the gut microbiota, the big one is antibiotics. And antibiotics are Mm -hmm. used to treat a lot of different things. And they will mow down the bad bacteria in there, but they also mow down the healthy ones. And so Mm -hmm. if we're not making an effort to rebuild a strong gut microbiome through the air we breathe, the food we eat, the type of water we drink, um, all those things that we can do, our stress levels, our sleep, they affect our microbiome. If we're not making an effort to rebuild that, you can see how by the time we reach our 30s, 40s, adulthood, you, got, you might have some stuff you need to fix. Um, and that's something I'll really commonly see is there's not actually a pathogen. There's just no healthy, normal flora left. <laughs> it's just, it'll literally read below detectable limits on a DNA test. It's like, oh, we got to fix this. And it is fixable. Um, but that's kind of just like a brief summary of what's going on with the gut microbiota. Yeah, so it's a um, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> Sorry, uh, my one of my best friends in college. Shout out Conrad. He's a uh, a doctor now, as most of my friends are. They're much more successful than I am. Uh, he, uh, I remember one time he was talking about antibiotics, and he's Polish, like very Polish, and you know would eat a lot of like I guess fermented foods because it's just like a very European thing to do, and like sauerkraut and stuff, and. I was like, oh, yeah, that shit's weird, you know, just because, like, I didn't grow up eating it. And we were talking about how back then, I guess, is the first conversation I had about it, but how an antibiotic in a lot of ways is like it's a missile when it really should be like an arrow when you're trying to just, like, kill something, right? Because you do just blow up your entire body in the hopes of being like, you know what? We're just going to 
try to kill everything in the hopes that the thing that we need dead is dead. And so he was like, yeah, anytime like uh, my my family or me got some sort of antibiotic, they would have prebiotics when like just to help with, I guess, getting back to being healthy afterwards. And I was like, oh, that's a really good point that I'd never, ever thought about. And it's I don't I mean, I hardly get sick, so it's not like I'm pumping antibacterials in me anyway. But I feel like that's something most people I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I feel like that seems like it's a smart thing to do. Yeah. It, certainly antibiotic use is just necessary sometimes. Yeah. And if they, if someone has to do that, then absolutely incorporating, you know, prebiotics and probiotics from food. But then you can even intentionally supplement it for a bit. I would say the biggest mistake people make with that stuff is they will use certain probiotics daily that shouldn't be used daily. So that's not something people think about, but truly it's really about rebuilding a balance and you can overgrow the good guys and then create dysbiosis or this disbalance. So yeah, absolutely. Always incorporate those food sources and you could intentionally after antibiotic use, use certain probiotics to then help rebuild the gut microbiome. But then the goal is to rebuild it, pull out that probiotic, maintain healthy gut flora. That's always the goal in my opinion. Cool. <clears throat> so, Brooke, you know, you just kind of like explained what the gut microbiome is. What is all like the different roles and functions, I guess, that it's playing in regards to our health? Yeah, I'm going to barely scratch the surface with this answer, too, because there's so many freaking things. Just the tip of the gut stuff. All right, oh, God. 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 <laughs> sexual. Um. So one of the major things it does is it fasti- fa- wow words Whoa, are hard right now facilitates facilitates <laughs> the nutrient absorption right so just even our macronutrients are we absorbing fat carbs protein then it's like vitamins minerals like are we absorbing what we're taking in from food huge role something I recently saw is um, I love on clients to run full micronutrient panels especially if someone's a really active individual. And I always run gut health testing with it because if your gut is a hot mess, you're probably not absorbing nutrients in food. So even if I just run a full micronutrient panel and I'm like, this is weird, let's throw supplements at it. Let's try to increase your food intake. That's going to do absolutely nothing if the gut microbiome isn't healthy and able to even absorb food correctly. So that was a huge thing that I I always see on tests, um, which is why I like to run them together. Not only the absorption, but the gut synthesizes some vitamins. So biotin, folate, thymine, riboflavin, niacin, B6, B12, vitamin K, they're all coming in pieces and finishing that synthesization process in the gut. And some, it's just, it's freaking fascinating what the human body can do. It also influences our hormone balance and our neurotransmitter balance because all of that is happening in the gut. So something that's really interesting we also see on testing, for example, is there are certain bacteria that can overgrow in your gut that will take estrogen that's packaged to go out in stool as waste. They will unpack it and they will reabsorb it. And that'll cause increased estrogen and all the types of issues that come with estrogen dominance. This can happen in men and women, by the way. This is something that's in all of us. So just crazy things like that, that the gut microbiome can really sway and influence what's going on with our hormones. Mm -hmm. Just the bacteria can do that. It also helps to have a strong immune system, maintain this barrier between you and the waste that's going out to protect you essentially from disease and other inflammatory responses or immune responses. 
Whenever you have a lot of food sensitivities, it's because undigest proteins are leaking through that gut lining. You're having a response. So it really does protect you. It's a big role. It impacts your energy, your metabolism. It quite literally is a huge detox pathway to flush out toxins, environmental toxins, and metabolites. And uh, let's see what else. It does also play a role in brain cognition, memory, all of that. It's very connected to the brain. And we're seeing a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists start to care more about these things and treating someone from a more holistic perspective, which is really cool. Yeah. I think it's funny. I mean, even think about like when you're hungry, right? This is like super zoned out. When you're hungry, it's just harder for you to think and do things. Right. So for when people are like, oh, I got a headache. Like, hey, have you drank any water or have you <laughs> had anything to eat today? And it's like, oh, no, I guess. And then also yesterday was a really long day. And so I didn't either. It's like, OK. So it's funny, like when I think about this gut microbiome, so it's ultra important, obviously. But like people want these little details and it's like, have you been eating normally? And they're like, no. It's like, OK, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Let's focus on that yeah. first, you know? Well, I think to us it seems like such an obvious connection. But then mm-hmm. when I think – sometimes I think the failure of a lot of people is they get too zoomed in on stuff. Yeah, definitely. So they're like, I have a really bad headache. Here's the ingredients of all the food I ate. Like what ingredient is the problem? And I'm like, mm-hmm, no, no, yeah. no. We got to zoom out. Let's zoom out. When did you eat yesterday? Was there a huge period of fasting? What how, Were you balancing your blood sugar and like having really good meal composition? Did you drink water throughout the day? So that's, I think, one of the things that I would say it happens on social media and in like magazines a lot. Like they, they hyper focus on oh. this one little detail. It's so freaking oh. annoying. And I'm like, yeah. you're not doing everyone a disservice because really we need to teach people to zoom out and then be able to assess patterns and then figure out how to navigate supporting their body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like my yeah. uncle, he's a vegan. He's like, you know, ever since I stopped eating meat, my life has been great. And I'm like, you still look like you're 90 years old, bro. Like, <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? But it's like, he, it's because like, he's like, well, every time I ate meat, it felt bad. Like, you had six pounds of meat at every meal. What do you expect? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah, for sure. But that shit sells so magazines. Bro- <laughs> it sure does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what would be some signs and symptoms that your gut health might not be in the most optimal place? So the really common ones that we think of when it's like, oh, like, do you have issues with your gut health? People are usually thinking about nausea, vomiting, acid reflux, heartburn, regurgitation, like super feeling super full, abdominal distension, you know, bloating frequently, intestinal cramping. Um, excessive flatulence, burping, mm. those things are actually like part of the gut health, constipation, diarrhea, or bloody stool. Like those are very obvious like digestive red flags. And I would like to also note that you might be like, oh, my gut health is fine because you're used to every time after I eat, I'm bloated and constipated. It's my normal <laughs> to poop every toilet. other day, yeah. <laughs> you know, or you might just be used to it and you think it's fine, quote unquote. But just because it's your normal doesn't mean it's optimal. I would love everyone to 
Google, unless you're driving, wait till you're stopped. Google the Bristol stool chart because that's a really good reference of what your body's what your body is trying to communicate just through your stool. So we should always be aiming for a type four, which is a smooth, you know, easily passable log like situation. Anything beyond that, your body is communicating something is off. Rose getting a, a kick out of my poop talk. Everyone I just, always I just does. love I love the poop talk. I really do. Everyone does. Um <laughs> So yeah, Google the bristle stool chart and look it up, what it should look like. And that'll be a good gauge of, you know, what is your your normal and what should you be striving for? And is my gut health really on track? But then there's also some signs and symptoms that aren't exactly the most common or what we necessarily think about. A big one is skin issues, acne, even psoriasis and things like that, fatigue, low energy, commonly tied back to gut health, cravings, issues regulating blood sugar, brain fog, difficulty concentrating. If you're constantly having nutrient deficiencies show up on blood work, huge red flag that most doctors don't really pay attention to. And um, hormone imbalances, mood imbalances, all of the above. I would like to say, like, just asterisks here, you know, just because you have hormonal issues doesn't mean it's just the gut. It's usually a combination of different things. Same with mood imbalances. But if Mm -hmm. we can treat you as a whole person and support you from a bunch of different angles, the gut health is always going to be a part of it. It should in anyone's healthcare, in my opinion. Yeah. It's insane that we don't look at it. Like this year, I'm 29 years old, is the first year in my life that I was ever taught about what's going on in my gut and how that is related to other things that I may have been experiencing. And that just feels insane to me. And think about like, we're freaking dietitians. (laughs) We study (laughs) nutrients and human (laughs) metabolism. And we were never taught this in school. I was taught that that it would be important. (laughs) No, I was was your gut actually absorbing and using it. And I, we're not that far out of school, people, right? Like yeah, I was yeah. a, I was an older student when I went back. We're not that far out. And, you know, I was talking to some people that are on staff teaching nutrition now, and they don't teach functional nutrition and integrative nutrition. They don't teach a lot of this gut health stuff. And so they're asking people like Nicole and I, well, how do we do it? How do we learn? How do we do this? And it's like, it's not an easy straight path. And you yeah. it's like you have to figure it out for yourself because it's not a part of what's taught. And I think that's a major failing in our education as dietitians. And it's so uh, like corporate now, like the way they run it, that it's so bureaucratic and hard to even influence the curriculum that's being taught. And like, you know, I would love to see a lot of change in the academy because I think it's wild that like a normal dietitian who graduates is going to have no clue about what I just talked about. Yeah. I, I think it's also, so I agree like a hundred percent, but I think when you look at like the, the boom in research that's come from like the gut microbiome, like it's really only exploded over the past like 10, 15 years, which is not a long time when you think about it. So if you were in, in school, you know, I guess five, six years ago, I don't remember when it was, <laughs> so old. Uh, then, you know, it's only been out for like 10 years, right? But then it's like, that's just the science. Then it's like, well, how do we teach it? How good is that science? And, you know, I was having a conversation with my um, my good friend here. He uh, His his research is in, his dissertation is on the gut, Michael, the gut and like the, 
specifically at like high intensity out or high altitudes and how it becomes leaky based on you know whatever i'm not going to give this shit away but (laughs) well so it's like it's like when we're at at high altitudes like you know there's the those tight gap junctions loosen up and so that's why he thinks that there's a link between uh mountain sickness and like the gut because mm-hmm. of that um mm-hmm. but we were talking yeah just about how fuck i just lost my train of thought god damn it uh this peanut brain man it's like how it's the research is new anymore. oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> thank you uh so it's like you know he's there the research is is out there it's growing so much but like those things we know as I'm, I'm using the word fact like lightly those are facts but then like the prebiotics, the probiotics, the stuff that's on shelves, the marketing of it is is not as as set yet just because like there hasn't been enough time to figure out like what's going on. And even still like with your testing, like 10 years may pass by and you're like, oh, you know what? This one is not as important as we once thought it was. It's actually this one. It's like the same thing with like how leucine was supposed to be like the amino acid. And now it's like, yeah, it plays a big role, but it's not as important. So it, you know, not to, <laughs> I'm always against, you know, institutions and whatnot, but I think so much of it is just that like, hopefully 10 years from now, everyone learns more about it, but it's just so fresh that there's probably a good reason why, especially you guys didn't learn it, but like 99% of the population is like, I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. So. Yeah. The the bulk of the research has been done in the last 20 years and mm-hmm. The I think the huge failing, even if we zoom out further, is it takes a really long time for research to become practical application. Yeah. And by that time, just because of the way science moves, it's already outdated by the time you <laughs> figured yeah. out a practical application for it to start helping mm-hmm. people. And it's a really frustrating experience. Um, and I think I do think that there should be more of an effort on the education side to get practitioners to start figuring this stuff out of like, how do we get this to have practical application yeah. to a client to help people? Because it we end up being like, yeah, OK, we're like the most advanced, but like we're not we're not getting the most <laughs> advanced care. We're like 20 years behind the most advanced care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Capitalism, baby. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> um, yeah. So earlier, Brooke, you mentioned how the gut is associated with all these different things and the immune system was brought up. So what what is like the main relationship between the gut and your immune system? Yeah. So your gut microbiome is super diverse, this dynamic population, and it has a, it's symbiotic. This, e- this ecosystem is communicating. It's a two-way street. It's not separate from us. It's communicating back and forth. It's assisting. It's influencing many other systems in the body. And one of the really big things that the mu- gut microbiome does impact is the intestinal mucosal immune system. And so this is the largest component of your immune system. Like physically, this is the biggest surface area of your immune system. If you think about how big the gut is, um, it's just all jammed in there. Uh, so making sure that the balance of the intestinal mucosal immune system is there or that homeostasis is really important as far as a first line of defense because you're putting pathogens in your body. Things get through, right? Like chemicals, different things. 
uh, different water sources, things that we unfortunately encounter in our day-to-day lives. And we need to make sure that it's able to defend us and it's balanced. And our gut microbiome is definitely a really good place to start building resiliency as far as having a strong immune system. I think making sure you have really healthy intestinal lining is like step one. Uh, Because you'll be coming, you know, like Ro mentioned, if our tight junctions are not tight and they start to pull apart, I like the visual of a slinky, and things are getting through, you're not even able to have that immune line defense and you're going to be super sensitive. You know, like I don't, I don't know if we were talking about it on the podcast or before, but Ro basically has an iron stomach. It's like, my skin's great. (laughs) Nothing's getting through. I feel fine. Um, But if that was to change and all of a sudden Ro's got skin issues and he's super fatigued and all these other things, that's not working. We need you to have that iron immune system, that iron stomach. Mm -hmm. You know what I think it is? When When I was born, the first meal my mom had was pizza. She said, give me a fucking pizza. And so the first meal that I had via... You know, breastfeeding was pizza. So <laughs> everyone should start that way, you know, for sure. Now here we are. Row is perfect it. Yeah, because yeah. of it. <laughs> These freaking genetics. I think um, <laughs> also, you know, and I've thought about it a lot. Like my both my parents, uh, I mean, my dad worked for Allstate for a long time. He still does. But my mom was like kind of a stay-at-home mom in that like when she worked at the office, we were with her. You know, we were always around and we didn't really like eat out much. She always cooked our meals like and it was just <laughs> my dad hated it. But, you know, it's just like chicken all the time. Right. I mean, it's like the same kind of things we ate over and over again. And I when I think about that, like the fact that I ate like consistent home cooked meals that were like wide in variety that my parents took, you know, put care into my mom, especially like and I wasn't getting TV dinners and I never got like the the lunchables and stuff that i got sent to school with like all my friends had like cooler lunches you know but i also wonder if that's why like i have more of an iron stomach and just am able to not be as sick and just do whatever because it was just like whole whole nutritious foods for my entire life and then when i left like my parents my mom taught me how to cook and whatnot so like there hasn't been a time where I've just been like, yeah, I, t- I just have like oven ready food and microwave ready food. Like, I don't even know how much different I would be if like that's what majority of my meals were. So, yeah, I wonder how big a role that is. Yeah. And that's a, this is like a, a controversial topic. Another one that people, you know, cancel us on probably. Um, <laughs> but unpopular opinion. But that does matter. You know, you can you can get on Instagram and shit on people, you know, a, mi- a million different ways. But I truly you are not going to convince me that eating a processed food is more beneficial than eating real food. Yeah. You're just not. Yeah, for sure. And I think that we have to acknowledge that these things do change the gut microbiome population. And there is evidence to show that. And sure, we can argue the dose makes the poison and all these other things, but we can have a balance and we need to keep in mind about the foods we're eating and the purpose of the food that we're eating, in my opinion. Yes, there absolutely should be some enjoyment about what you're eating in that process. But I truly believe that we need to think about nourishing ourselves and taking care of like this vessel in our physical body. And I do think that processed food we have to be careful with. Also, when we have a ton of added sugar going to react very differently in the gut microbiome than if we're having a lot of real food that has fibrous fibers 
pre prebiotics, um, natural fermentation and probiotics, that's going to sit very, very differently than if all you're eating is a processed bagged snack. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that one thing I thought about when you said that is like so many times, right, where people are like, oh, cut out processed foods. I'm like, shut up. Only because I guess when I zoom out, I'm like, I don't eat a lot of processed foods. And so when I think cut out processed foods, it's like, because it's not 50, 60, 70% of my diet, it's that every now and then when I decide to. So for me, it's bad advice because it doesn't apply to me. And so I have that view of like, oh, whatever. But when I think about it, a lot of people eat a lot of processed foods. And so I think, hey, cut out processed foods and try to eat more nutrient dense foods makes sense for majority of the population because it's not like, telling them to stop eating what they enjoy but it's like hey you need to really take a look because you eat bags of chips all the time majority and that's why you might feel bad so yeah that's that's a really good point and definitely right now made me challenge my own thinking of being like oh yeah like most people are not eating like i normally eat and so yeah. I need to think about that too. Yeah. And I think we need to define processed food too, because technically we mm. all eat a lot of food that has been processed. But like yeah. when what Ro and I are talking about when we're talking about processed food is like convenience snacks that have added sugar, enhanced flavors, like it's weird to me that we live in a society that decided they wanted to make a chip that makes like t- tastes like tacos to like get people to want to eat more of it. And like that's yeah. weird to me when we think <laughs> about how we're literally manufacturing fake tastes to get people to eat more of it. And so that's the kind of thing where I'm just like, eh. um, more research will keep coming out. Um, but in you know my core, that's what feels true to me is those are the kinds of things that we should be limiting not saying we need to totally demonize them and that we need to be eating more like real food, right? But technically, if you got ground beef that has gone through processing, you know, yeah, so, um, but I mean, just like, let's have some, some make sure we're mindful of our ratio of real ingredients to some type of processed, enhanced, added, beefed up type thing. Yeah. Ground beef mm-hmm. instead of Taco Bell, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> um. So, Brooke, you also kind of mentioned, like, emotions, mood, like, the emotional well-being and how that ties to gut health. Why do emotions have such a strong impact on the digestive system? Yep. This is probably one of my favorite topics. (laughs) Yep. 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 Why do they? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So this is because of the gut-brain axis, and the vagus nerve is a big connector there. So I love talking about the health of our vagus nerve um, and what we can do there. But there's this connection point in our gut-brain axis, essentially, and it is a two-way street and two-way line of communication. So everything is being linked to gut health right now from depression to autism, which is fascinating. Most of the autism research is done in children. But the microbiome is different in these circumstances. And what's even more fascinating, and I would love to read more research about, is they truly do not know at this point what comes first, the chicken or the egg. So just we know we can associate certain things with different altered microbiomes. And we can be like, oh, this is what the microbiome will look like. We're, we're noticing these trends, but they really don't know what comes first. And so some people are actually proposing that your gut is the one running the show. This is actually the most intelligent piece of you, this ecosystem. And it's communicating back to the brain and then creating symptoms that we would then categorize, you know, as mental and emotional 
various things. So I think we're going to see a ton more research coming out on this is a really hot topic of discussion. And I definitely recommend if you are listening to this and you're interested and you want to understand more about it, the book How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicola Perra. She's the holistic psychologist. She talks about this a lot in her book and explaining more of why this is an emerging part of how you know, doctors in psychology or psychiatrists and therapists are starting to pay attention to this area of research. Mm-hmm. Such a good book. And her account, if you follow her on Instagram, she so shares good. a lot of helpful info there as well. Um, and I'm sure this next question is one you mainly get, Brooke, of just what are going to be the the best foods, I guess, that would help with good digestion of, I think we always get that question as dietitians of like, what food, what's the magical food that's going to help me here? And there are a lot of different foods that can help your digestive, your digestion and your gut health. So why don't you walk us through some of those? Yeah. So I'm going to break this down into four (laughs) different areas of food that you can be eating more of. So first one, lots of plant foods. Doesn't mean you have to be totally plant-based, but there should always be a ton of plant foods in your diet. So that's fruits, vegetables, whole grains are plants, legumes, nuts, and seeds. All of them contain fiber to support the gut. And when we eat fiber, essentially what happens is it passes all the way through our digestive tract undigested until it reaches the gut microbes in the large intestine. And then the microbes transform the fiber and produce anti-inflammatory molecules called short-chain fatty acids. And so what's really spectacular about those short-chain fatty acids, which is a mouthful, is this helps to optimize the immune system to prevent autoimmune, allergies, lower infection and disease risk. It's an energy source for the cells in the large intestine. It also activates the hormones that make us feel full, which can be really good for weight regulation. It helps us to maintain the integrity of the gut lining, which we already talked about as key for optimal health. It does lower cholesterol and support overall heart health. It supports brain health. It also supports that stabilization of blood sugar and regulating um, insulin sensitivity and so much more. So in short, eat lots of plants and lots of fibrous plants because then you're going to get all those benefits I talked about from short-chain fatty acids. Really good anti-inflammatory health benefits. The second one is the one Roe brought up, which is eating fermented foods. So every day I recommend eating fermented foods. I always do this with breakfast. I have sauerkraut with my eggs and potatoes, which I don't know if that's like the most weird combo or not, but it's really good. (laughs) It's really freaking good. I'm not going to judge you, but it kind of sounds weird. No, it's it's delicious. And I do a little avocado on the side. Got some good prebiotic fibers in there. So I have a really good gut health breakfast. But fermented foods contain live microbes that are going to help enhance the diversity of the gut. So you can do this at home. You can buy it. Don't I don't recommend making your own fermented foods if you don't have <laughs> weird smells. Um, but you can absolutely get these from a lot of different places. I'm sure local farmers markets have good stuff too. You can use dairy. So things like yogurt, kefir, buttermilk, uh, miso, and tempeh are actually also source of fermented food. Sauerkraut, kimchi, some cottage cheeses. Technically pickles, just don't get the ones loaded with sugar. Same with kombucha. Just easy on the sugar with that kind of stuff. But technically, those are all fermented foods that can give you more of those live microbes to enhance the diversity of your gut. 
What about beer and liquor? No, technically, <laughs> yes, those are fermented. I was like, I was but... like, oh man, my my prebiotics are off the roof right now. <laughs> no, it's actually like there's just so many detrimental things that alcohol <laughs> about does alcohol? that you're yeah, skipping. For sure. Yeah, and that's my that's sad awesome. answer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> The third thing is prebiotic-containing foods. So prebiotics and probiotics. Probiotics were kind of in the limelight as the star, but really we need prebiotics because these are specialized plant fibers that essentially act as fertilizers for all your gut bugs. So they help stimulate the growth of healthy bacteria. And they're found in a lot of fruits and vegetables, especially complex carbohydrates such as fiber and resistant starch. This is also another really good reason you are never going to hear me come out of my come out of my mouth that you should not eat carbohydrates. You should intentionally over restrict carbohydrates. We need them because we need all these important pieces. That's where fiber comes from, prebiotics and all that good stuff. So for this, you know, there's a lot of different foods. I would say like my favorites are onions, garlic, plantains, asparagus, artichokes, berries. Another thing you can do uh, is also cooked and cooled rice and potatoes. So cook it, let it cool down. is a really good source of resistant starch, which builds up a lot of these healthy, normal flora in the gut. You also can have whole grains like rye, barley, sprouted wheat, oats. Those are great. Legumes and beets are some other ones that you can have for prebiotic fiber. So that's how to get prebiotics. The fourth and final... <laughs> that face. I was like, I was the like, fourth... I'm sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, did you have a question? Yeah, yeah. I'm just so rolling. one, uh, beans, beans, the magical fruit. The more you eat, the more you too. Anyway, um, you know, so you said you said uh, rice and like um, letting it cool. So I remember this was when I was in grad school. <laughs> I guess I'm still in grad school. When I was at state, and um, my roommate was talking about uh, efforting's vertical diet and. I'm not going to get into that too much because I have my issues with it. But like his big thing was a lot of the big things that when it came about the white rice is that like if you cook it and like put it in Tupperware and maybe it's changed. But he was talking about how like how much bacteria can grow. And I is that the same thing you're saying except like obviously like bacteria is not always a bad thing. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, I don't really have like a question or like a. That's more of a comment, but like what is that where that's kind of based off of or no. So those are different things. And so that's <laughs> okay though. Not. <laughs> but um basically food safety wise, you don't want to eat things leftovers that have been in the fridge for three for three to four days. After that, sure. like you do have this risk of bacterial overgrowth and rice, just because of the way it's cooked, um, and the surface that's area good. and all that, like tends to be one of those things that I really would try to not hold on to leftovers for too long. But the resistant starch has more to do with what happens when we allow the food to cool and the, the actual texture of the starch. It's more of like what happens to the food, not necessarily the bacteria growing on it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. The starch changes in the food. Neat. That's what's beneficial. Yeah. So the fourth thing is eating foods rich in omega-3. So omega-3 fatty acids 
are really important. We also have omega-6s, which are equally as important, but we tend to, in the American diet, eat too many omega-6 and not enough omega-3s. So I always like to encourage people to ramp up their omega-3s and make sure we have really, really beautiful ratio of three to six. So it actually increases the diversity of gut microbes in our gut. So you can use plant sources. So chia seeds, flax seeds, hemp seeds are all great. Seafood is really where you're going to find the most concentrated omega-3 fatty acids. And there's different types. And EPA and DHA are the most anti-inflammatory that we want lots of. Really, truly, I would just try to shoot for a mix. So a mix of those plant sources I mentioned. Walnuts are also another one I'll throw in there. And then the fatty fish and fatty seafood. So salmon, sardines, herring, mackerel, anchovies. And I would just graze on those. Truly, a lot of people are like, I hate fish. I don't want to eat it a lot. I hear you. You really only need two four-ounce servings throughout the week. So it's not something you need to eat daily to get that benefit. If you still really don't like <laughs> consuming seafood or you're, you're not getting enough omega-3, then you can do cod liver oil that's cold pressed so that you're still getting all that nutrient not losing it in the heating process you can even do them in capsules if you don't like swigging fish oil out of the bottle like i actually do at home <laughs> drives brian crazy and he won't give me a kiss after and i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wonder why <laughs> it's a mystery yeah <laughs> well that is a lot of foods that y- you know, which is exciting to know that it's not just like this one magical thing that you need to be consuming that you're probably going to hate. There's really this wide variety, which I think ties back into why it's beneficial to have a bunch of different foods in your diet to help build this gut microbiome up. Um, so I think that's all super helpful information and I definitely encourage people to kind of like start with maybe like one section and just like, do little bits and pieces and not to not like feel that overwhelmed from wanting to do it all. Yeah. Whichever one sounds the most interesting. That's good advice from Nicole. Just like pick that one. Cause (laughs) don't try to change everything at the same time. And we do this with our clients. It can be really overwhelming. Just change one or two things at a time. And then when you feel really confident, add another one or two things. Yeah, for sure. Um, so with the food, what are some other ways that you can naturally start improving your gut health with lifestyle? I think this is really exciting that we have the ability to influence what's going on in our gut microbiome mm-hmm. other ways. I think it can be probably a pain in the butt to other people because I always <laughs> like to say if we're not getting things in our life in check, we are going we're not even going to get the benefit of the nutrition. And so I think people find it frustrating because they just want to have you lay out what they need to do. And truly, if you want to have a healthy gut microbiome, it's a whole life overhaul. Yeah. Everything. And I would say the hardest one is the stress management. But chronic stress actually promotes the growth of pathogenic microbes in your gut. And what happens is this is at the expense of the anti-inflammatory microbes that we want in abundance. So That's really scary in a way if you think about it. If you are chronically stressed and you're refusing to work on that piece of your life, you are helping to grow pathogenic microbes and you're not going to have the anti-inflammatory ones you want. And so that's Mm -hmm. why I always advocate for now on a first session with a client, 
who are you working with someone or what kind of support do you have for stress management? Because that's going to be a really, really important part of your healing process because Mm -hmm. it's that important. And I would recommend that everyone has things that they explore. This is going to take some time because what I think is de-stressing, Roe might be like, this is the most stressful experience. Absolutely not. (laughs) So you need to figure out. Yeah. yeah, Like you need to figure out what are things that you have in your, your, your toolkit really is what it is to help you with stress management. And so this could be daily walks. It could be meditating, journaling, breath work, yoga, whatever that, you know, there's a million different things. Maybe it's just I have a really beautiful nighttime ritual and and some soothing tea. You know, there's just a lot of different ways to tackle this, which makes it fun, but it's important that we all do it because it will directly influence what's happening in our gut, which then directly influences are we going to have disease and other issues down the line. Mm-hmm. Second thing is sleep. If you're not getting enough sleep or it's poor quality, it also disrupts the gut microbiome. And then it will also impact our sleep quality. So it's one of those two-way street things where if we're not getting what we need sleep-wise, we have issues in the gut. Sometimes you have issues in the gut and it's going to impact your sleep. So really working through circadian rhythm work. This is one of the pillars of my nutrition practice is circadian rhythm support because it's so important. And really the the number one place I would start is just prioritizing seven to nine hours of sleep a night. Preach. <laughs> the sleep queen, Nicole. It's too many hours. <laughs> My God. If I don't get... Rose, like, like, I don't mine literally... Games. If I don't get nine, I'm just like, this is the worst nine? thing that's ever happened to me. Oh my Nine. God. I get nine on average every night. <laughs> I have to have eight. Eight, eight or more. Oh, you softies. I'm like, five hours, Bro, let's imagine, go. imagine how much more perfect you could be if you slept more. Like, first you would be all, unstoppable. First of all, right now you said more perfect and already perfect. Thank you. Second <laughs> oh of God. all, like, the, you know, I don't know, man. That, that No, that's just too much. Bro's like, I got too much life to live, man. Uh, yeah, like, I couldn't, uh, granted, you know, spring break was a little different, but, like, I couldn't imagine <laughs> sleeping for nine hours. Like, holy shit. And it's great that you do that, obviously, like you do, but he's like, you, you loser. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm very much like, that's so great for you, honey, but no, I just like, that's wild. Oh my gosh, bro. I hope that this finds you one day and that you can tell me how wonderful it is. I, yeah, let me know when I you start, hit your 30s. You know what? If I, oh, in what? One nine year? months from now? Yeah. When If I start sleeping for nine hours a day, admit me because like there's some serious <laughs> issues me. some serious issues going on that I'm like I can't face today we, we think something's wrong with our friend they're like what's wrong he's sleeping for nine <laughs> for hours a night and they're like uh, okay it's important though yes we love it no way well here I'll throw you a bone this you'll like this one daily movement is a must love it. That, Im- that impacts the gut <laughs> microbiome yeah yeah <laughs> It actually, it's important physically because more poop talk, it helps to keep the bowels moving smoothly. So that's physically like one of the things it does. It also increases the beneficial gut microbes. And it doesn't have to be, you know, really intense structured sports session. You don't have to go up, you know, compete in the CrossFit games. If you're walking, weightlifting, running, jogging or whatever, movement is fun for you just daily you're doing something that's our goal yeah i when i threw out my back like three weeks ago uh i didn't poop for like six days it was the worst but it's because i i had to lay in bed you know what i mean like i couldn't move 
And like also, and I was on like painkillers and muscle mm. relaxants, so that's mm-hmm. always worse. But I was, I, and then I wasn't eating, so it was like, but I was just like, oh, I'm gonna die because <laughs> I haven't pooped yeah. in six days. Uh, and then you know, once I was moving around more, I like shit like six times that day. I was like, oh, like, we're back to normal. It's fine. But like, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, pull the lever, crunk. Anyway, uh, there's. <laughs> Um, <laughs> wrong my, lever. <laughs> but yeah, back to my uh, my friend McKenna um, or Zach. He he talked to me once about how they're finding that elite athletes have this specific bacteria in their gut microbiome, and there I guess there's research going on now that like it's I guess it's the chicken and the egg thing again. Like, does this bacteria help them be? better athletes or is it because they're better athletes that they create an environment that allows for this bacteria to proliferate and so some of the thought process is now like oh well this bacteria might aid in whatever so if we can take that out and give it to obese people or people with obesity people with diabetes like people that live in disease states and like this may be kind of that like exercise and appeal type thing where it's like we're going to help you with your gut environment and maybe that'll help with a bunch of other things so that stuff is really cool and obviously if like that's elite athletes but like you said daily movement in doing whatever it is you enjoy like is going to help with making a better environment a better home for those bacteria that will ultimately keep you healthier and safer and whatnot so that's yeah. really cool really cool that is super cool i love that the <laughs> I have two more. The fourth one is you can physically change your meal experience and really slow down and really chew your food. Chewing is that first step in digestion. There's actually enzymes in your mouth. And if you're just inhaling your food really quickly, you're losing a lot of what's needed to help digest it. So mindful eating where you're really allowing your nervous system to be in a rest and digest that's important that we have the secretion of enzymes and all those things I talked about at the beginning of the podcast. So slow down, really chew your food and having mindful eating practices, super beneficial. And then the fifth one is to give your gut a break. So we don't want to eat all day, every day. Uh, Similar to other systems, our gut needs time to take care of itself. So Time-restricted eating can help with the gut microbiome. It's not as intense as people think. It's not anything like intermittent fasting. It's truly more of a 12-12 cycle, which I recommend for people because it mirrors also and supports our circadian rhythm. And then it gives your 12 hours for your gut to have a break. And overnight, then it is able to do different processes that need to take place because it's obviously responsible for a lot. So that's what I recommend is eating in a 12-hour window, fasting overnight for 12 hours, and that supports our sleep-wake cycle as well as our gut health. Mm-hmm. I think that's one that people don't realize of, like, the timing of their meals. Um, you'll just hear people talk about, like, oh, I just eat, like, a really late dinner, you know, and I, they don't realize how it's impacting. And then they'll also tell you like, oh, and I'm having these gut things or I'm having these sleep issues. And it just goes back to how it's all kind of tied in together. Um, is that also something, Brooke, like if someone is saying, I don't wake up hungry, is that also something that we, you know, kind of look at of, oh, well, are you eating dinner at 9 p.m.? And how, like, when are you waking up? 
Is that something like you would say impacts that in a pretty big way? Truly, like my alarm that goes off when people say that has more to do with the health of their metabolism and their thyroid Mm, and other mm -hmm. things functioning. Like that to me is a bigger red flag of, ooh. And then I want to go look at their eating patterns because like, are we eating enough? Are we eating regularly? Are we balancing blood sugar? Do we have healthy hormones? Like we need all those things or then we won't have those hunger cues. So that's usually where my red flag goes. But eating late at night and all those other things do impact sleep. Mm-hmm. a lot too so like that's a big yeah. thing is if you are eating large meals they need to be three to four hours ideally away from your bedtime you yeah. know even if you can get away with just two to three is good mm-hmm. because it signals the brain to be awake and you need to go through the process of digestion mm-hmm. and we don't want to do that but you know so some people like i have some male clients that have really fast metabolisms and they'll wake up hungry yeah but then you can utilize something smaller like a bedtime snack yeah for sure cool so if someone makes these food and lifestyle changes but still has gut health issues, how can you dig in and find out what's really going on? Yeah, so this is a really good starting point. This podcast is a really good starting point of how to go through digestion basics and building a strong foundation, but it's not going to fix everything. If you've got some you know, pathogenic microbes in your gut, that's going to need further treatment. It's not necessarily anything you did or didn't do. I would say the number one thing that I do is gut health stool testing. Stool testing, I use something called the GI MAP stool test from Diagnostic Solutions, which is kind of considered right now the gold standard of care. But as Ro mentioned, this is a pretty new area of science. But what's pretty cool about it, and we all are probably pretty familiar with the term PCR technology now. So oh, it's yeah, using wow. DNA technology. Cool. It uses DNA to actually match the DNA sequencing. So we you know, if you don't believe in this test, I've had doctors say, I don't believe in this test. I said, so you don't believe in DNA? It's a <laughs> DNA match <What>? test. <laughs> like, like really, I don't believe in this test. What? You don't believe in DNA or PCR technology? Okay. So we are looking at exactly matching the DNA sequence so we know exactly what's there. And then what we can do with PCR technology is we can see the actual load, the population size, or the, you know, we've noticed with viral load and these other things that have been happening. But we can look at the actual population size of said DNA matched microbe, parasite, whatever we've got going on. And it allows us to see amazing things like not just pathogenic microbes, but the normal flora, because a lot of the times normal flora is low. So I can see, I can see all this. It's not positive or negative. If you go to the doctor and they do an H. pylori test, it's usually positive or negative. Did it meet the clinical cutoff or did it not? And so this test goes a lot deeper and we're able to get a lot of information also about intestinal health lining. We get information to make sure, do we have some type of junction dysregulation or leaky gut, as people call it more commonly. So I do recommend that people dig in and utilize this testing. Almost all of us have issues with our gut health. You know, I frequently, time and time again, was told, you just have IBS, you know, here's a handout on the food mob diet, go home. I'm like, I'm literally (laughs) a dietitian and I'm telling you this isn't the problem. Can you help me? No one would help me. And that's really like what led me down this road of figuring this all out. And countless times I've had people come and say, I've had all these symptoms for all this time. My doctor says my labs look normal literally poop in a french fry tray is what it looks like you still you gather your stool sample it literally does you send it off and then we can find now you want to do it now ro wants to do it 
man. I don't poop like a French fry. That's amazing, dude. That's so fucking funny. It's a French fry tray. I know, I know, I know, I know. I, that's, I, I know. That's, uh, it's still better. When I got that in the mail, I was like, what is this? Is this a joke? <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? Squat above this, like, tray and just, like, try to poop and relax? Like, I'm confused. <laughs> I have like a pro tip way to do it. And I was like, should I, I make this. a reel about this? Or yeah, like, do that, yeah. I don't, I feel like I might, my account might get deleted if I Absolutely. start showing my yeah. stool testing. This girl's methods. online shitting. <laughs> Not that detailed. Lord have mercy. <laughs> I was like, whoa. But, um, <laughs> secret buttholes. No. Another... She, she owns that account. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> had no idea so Anyways. no that's not what it is um but essentially no i'll t- i'm gonna share the secret if someone made it this far in the episode and they are okay with my poop talk i'm gonna share my secret yeah that's a good point so instead of holding said french fry tray you can actually use saran wrap to make like a little bucket in your toilet <laughs> yep and then you can put the seat down like normal so it's a normal passable experience and then you can remove it place it in the french fry tray and take your samples because you have to sample off four to five different parts and you put it in a test tube and you shake it up and you cap it off and you mail it via fedex don't make eye contact honest to god brooke like you really need to tell people this is a this is one of the most traumatic experiences i've ever done to myself so that's all i gotta say damn it was traumatic to like be playing around with your poop with like gloves on yes i'm sorry you know like whatever (laughs) (laughs) and uh the clients that have done it like they text me and they're just like yeah okay (laughs) so i'm just it's just the best it's amazing it is i am not i am not saying do not do this i'm just saying be prepared to get very (laughs) up close and personal with yourself and like this is this is something so my I'm doing about to do one on myself and I'm gonna do one on Brian, uh, my boyfriend. Will Brian, you be collecting I, his poop? On, no, like, I was like very clear. I'm like, like it's golem. time for us to do these. Like we got to do these tests. Like let's send them at the same time because sometimes we see things that like <laughs> relationship bond treat. And I was like, I just want to make it really clear. Like when I say we need to do our tests, I mean you need to go physically close a door and do it all yourself and put it in the bag, and then we just need to take them to FedEx at the same time. Um, He's like, are you mm. grabbing my poop or am I? Like, no. <laughs> That's where I draw the line. No. Talk about trauma. Talk about it. Mm. Yeah, but that's my number one way to like investigate what's going on with the gut. I, yeah. I have so many times, I don't honestly take clients anymore without doing this because there would Makes be so sense. many issues that would come up and then yeah. we would hit a wall and then it'd be like, oh, it's because this, all this stuff is going on. We need to fix it. Mm-hmm. So now this is the number one thing I do. Every single person that we're going to get to know each other really well and you're going to have to poop in a french fry tray um (laughs) we love it if we're going to work together and that's how i do it because Mm -hmm. it's just really really great information and it's really helpful if you've had issues like persistent skin Mm flare-ups you've got like bloating or any of those weird symptoms abdominal pain lots and lots of food sensitivities like all these things you're not having those regular movements that they should be bristol stool chart type four look it up um, that should be happening one to three times a day. So if you don't have these things and you've got all these other issues, very likely it could be tied to the gut. It's worth investigating. Definitely. Very cool. Well, like you said, I have loved the gut stuff combo. And I hope that this has shed light 
for a lot of individuals who maybe have never been educated on this. Like, like I said, it's just, I never knew about this and we went to school for many, many years to learn all there was to know about nutrition. So I definitely hope that this podcast episode was helpful. And if you have any questions, I highly recommend reaching out to Brooke because she's super knowledgeable in this area. But if we, do y'all have anything else to say? Ro, do you have any final comments on the gut stuff topic? <laughs> no. <laughs> he I'm gave urging. us plenty during the- That's true. <laughs> have we convinced you to take one? I, I I would be down to take one. Like like I said, you guys are going to be like, wow, he has every bacteria off the charts. He's so healthy. I'm like, He's I know, so man. perfect. <laughs> yeah. I hope we do so a crazy. testing interpretation episode like this oh, was I would love it. Put it my shit out amazing. there. No pun intended. Like, <laughs> Let's do it. Let me down. <laughs> all right, y'all. Well, we are all currently accepting new clients. Ro is... Um, our master of all things exercise and performance. I had to think there. Huh? And <laughs> like, what does he do? What? What does it really do? <laughs> I mean, he does a lot. And you're super knowledgeable oh, in God. the realm of fitness and <laughs> helping people just reach all their awesome goals that they want to oh, reach. Oh, my God. It's very broad and expansive. Yes. So you're right. there so you go. Right. <laughs> um, I am a intuitive eating, a health at every size dietitian that focuses on your relationship towards food and also how we incorporate that gentle nutrition piece with things like the GI map and certain symptoms or even diagnosis that you may be experiencing. And then Brooke is uh, the dietitian that is specializing in all things related to healing the gut microbiome to solve your digestive and hormonal symptoms, specifically for athletes and active adults. So if any of us sound like your perfect practitioner, please reach out with your questions um, because that's what we're here for. We're here to help. And please follow along at Health Unfiltered Pod on Instagram and keep those awesome questions coming. We love to answer them on these episodes. And then please rate us, share us, and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And I think that about wraps it up. So, Brooke, if you want to take us out. Cue that music. Love it. Bye. (laughs) Peace out, (laughs) y'all.